So God, we pray for a great day together as your church. We pray that you would move amongst us. We honour you and we praise you, God. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Good morning. You can take your seats. Can we thank the team? Geez, I love it when Heglin's here. It's good to be here in church today. And we are continuing uh, with a six-week journey. For those of you I haven't met before, my name's Ryan. I'm one of the team here. And, and I love being at True North. I love being here together on Sundays, getting to, to praise God and, and spend time uh, with one another. And we are in this series, the six-week journey. And uh, we kicked that off last week. So you'll know that we have five weeks to go if you're any good at maths. And uh, we are in week two. And, and we're looking at the, the idea today of, what does it mean for my soul to be healthy? You know, last week we looked at what does it mean for our soul to be home? And, and today we're gonna look at what it looks like and, and some ways, some, some things that we can do to ensure that our soul would be healthy. Was anyone here Wednesday night? Pastor Michelle mentioned before we, we started uh, Wednesday night. It was awesome. There was a lot more people here than there were hands this morning. So I'm not sure if we're a bit sleepy or whether just the 1045 was representing uh, at Maribel. You can have a look on the screens. This is kind of what Wednesday looked like. And I thought this was awesome because it was across both our campuses, uh, both auditoriums packed full of people around tables as we uh, continue to look at this topic of how is your soul. And I just encourage you, if you haven't, Alan's there, he's pointing himself out on the screens, having a look at where he was situated. I saw that. You're just saying, oh, look at that good looking guy. I saw, I see that hand. Uh, but all, all, all jokes about Alan aside, if you haven't had a chance to, to come along, maybe you missed Wednesday and you're thinking, is it too late? Uh, what's gonna happen to me if I show up? Are they gonna shun me? They're not. Uh, we would love to have you this Wednesday. You know, every single one of these weeks, I'd encourage you to, to get to as many of them as possible. But you know what? Don't disqualify yourself because you've missed one or, or there might be one you can't come to. We had uh, brand new connect groups get started, which I thought was incredible. People coming in and finding a group to be a part of and it is incredible. So even if you're not in a group, we will have one for you. So we would love to see you uh, Wednesday night. This is gonna be an incredible time. So don't miss out on that, do whatever you have to do uh, to get there, it's gonna be good. But like I said, we're looking today at, at what makes our souls healthy. And uh, I was thinking a little bit during the week about health in general and, and about how it's good for us to be healthy. And I've actually been a bit unwell this week, so I've spent some time in the doctors, which is never where you wanna be. When you're in a doctor's surgery, you know uh, you're not healthy. Uh, but you know, they're good at getting us healthy, which is great. So I feel like I'm up and about today, which is, which is excellent. But there is so much complexity around our own health. Even this week, you know, doctors deciding, oh, we need to put you on some antibiotics because you're a bit unwell and we'll try this one. No, it didn't work. Oh, we'll try this one. Uh, oh, that didn't work. So, so we're pretty sure now this one will work. So, so have a go at that. And, and just the, the level, I don't understand. They've got all these weird titles that I don't understand. And then you, you kind of go to Dr. Google and you're like, what is this antibiotic? And then you don't want to do that because it starts telling you all the things uh, that, it's gonna, that could be wrong with you. So, I, you know, I'm dying. I have three days to live. And really, I had a cold. Uh, and so there is so much complexity around our health. Even when you think about our physical health, uh, you know, you, you watch TV for five minutes and there's a, a, a great shake diet that you could do. But and then you watch TV for another five minutes and it disqualifies that shake diet and just tells you not to eat any carbohydrates ever. Uh, you know, just, just eat high density fat. And so you're like, great, I'll just eat heaps of fat, no carbs. And then I still keep getting fat. I'm like, what's going on? And then it's like, no, you just need to get on the paleo diet, right? Just like live like a caveman. So I'm like, all right, I'll live like a caveman. But there's another diet that comes out and says, no, paleo is no good, it's, it's bad for your health. This week I was talking to a friend of mine who has actually, he's looking quite fit, he's, he's lost a lot of weight, and I was like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, I just run heaps. 
I'm like, oh man, that sucks. I'm like, hoping he told me like, you know, I just like ate vegetables for a week and look at me. Uh, and he's like, I just run constantly. I've been running like big chunks of time. He's like got himself an Apple watch. He's right into it. And I was like, I run and I don't lose any weight. What's going on? And he's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I run to turn the alarm off when it goes off during church. And I'm puffed, still catching my breath. And I'm like, no, what I do is I just run as fast as I can for like 15 minutes and then I'm done. I'm pretty spent. I feel pretty tired. I feel good about myself. He's like, no, that's no good. What do you mean? He's like, no, you've just got to run slow, but for ages. So slow it right down and just, then you've got to walk for four, for half an hour and then walk for half an hour if you run. And this is what this guy's doing. And I'm like, man, it must be working. Talking to somebody else after that going, I found this new thing I'm going to try. It's called running for ages because I have so much spare time. And I'm like, I've just got ages to set aside to run. And so I'll just try it. He goes, nah, man, it's not about running slow. What you really need is interval training. So you just go down the park for half an hour and just sprint until you can't sprint anymore and then walk until you get your breath back. I'm like, well, and then I'd go home because I'd have no breath left after sprinting once. And he's like, you just do that over and over and over again. And I just walked out of there. I'm like, health is confusing. Like, I don't understand, man. Like, everyone's telling me something different. I'm doing this and it's working for me and I'm doing that. And, and, and no one can figure it out. And then you do a diet and then, it seems to be successful for a little while and then you kind of stop drinking shakes for every meal five times a day and suddenly you've put on weight again. Like, I don't understand. I am just confused about how to get fit. So I just gave up and now I'm just gonna live. And it's, and it's good. I'm enjoying myself. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, you can clap that. I'm cool. You can clap my unhealth. I appreciate the encouragement. And you know, we think about this and the complexity that comes straight up from what it means to be healthy on the outside, where there is just so much information, actually there's probably just too much information on what it means to be healthy on the outside and kind of the inside, because your insides affect the outside. But you know what I'm saying, like physical health. Then how confusing can it be sometimes when it comes to what does it mean to be healthy in our soul, on the inside of who we are? There's not a lot about that. There's a, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, do this and do that and it'll make you healthy. But the reality is we know from last week that when we're truly gonna be healthy in our souls, it's when we're at home with God. That's it, when we're in right relationship with Him, that when we're living for Him. But to me, that's still super confusing. I don't understand what that means. Like, I was, when I was younger, I made a commitment to follow Christ and not everything changed for me immediately. Life didn't just become sweet and I, and I read the Bible and understood the whole thing and now I'm this. And so we start to form our health of our soul around the things that, what we're doing or what we understand or, or how long we can be a Christian for or how good or bad our life is. And I believe sometimes it ends up leaving us confused. And God doesn't wanna confuse us. He wants us to be healthy on the inside. More important as, and as important as physical health is, and I, all jokes aside, I, I think it's important. But the reality is, if that's important, how important is our soul? How do we get to a place where it, it doesn't matter what is going on on the outside of our lives? Of course, that's gonna have impact who we are and, and what's going on and sometimes how we feel. But how do we live this life truly with a soul that is healthy all the time? And this morning, I wanted to look at some keys, I guess some key environments that we can place our soul in, some things that we could do for our soul, some things that if we uh, began to implement into our life, that our soul would look a little bit more healthy. And to make it convenient for you today, there's four R's. 
So if you're a note taker, you can write those down. They all start with R. They're gonna be easier to remember. But I believe that we're not just gonna be able to walk out of here. This is like what I was talking about before. It's not a one uh, fix all. I'm not gonna give you the four tips to having a healthy soul and then you can never come to church again. Go do those four things and you'll be fine forever. The reality is like anything that makes a difference, it's about working at it. It's about applying it. It's about trying to make this a part of your lifestyle. Not just an easy way to understand God a bit more. Or if I just do this, maybe I'll be a bit happier. But truly to live out this life for God in a place where we can say our soul is healthy. Is that all right? So the first one today is rest. And what we're gonna look at is, is a little bit of, out of Genesis. Uh, the original place where man was put by God, the original environment, the intended environment for man before we went and eat, ate the apple, and we'll get to that later, and ended up out of the place where God wanted to put us. And when we look at the, the environment that God had created for man, he said it himself that it was good. And he created this place and this space for man to live in connection with God, but one that would be healthy for his soul. So we're gonna have a look at a little bit out of Genesis and see how that can apply to us today. And the first one, like we said, was rest. And Genesis 2 verse 9 says this, and out of the ground, the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. It was the perfect environment. Everything around was good. It was plentiful. He, man had access to, to everything that he wanted. And it was a space and a place where he could rest. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, uh, Jesus says this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I love this, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, I, I believe that, that rest looks different for all of us. I ha have a young child, so rest to me just means I wanna sleep all the time. Like every opportunity I get, uh, I wanna sleep get a few minutes in, uh, you know, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. If I, you know, go away somewhere, I find myself just sleeping for hours at a time. It's awesome. That's, that's kind of how I find rest, really how I get sleep. But how I find rest will look different for me than it will for you. You know, I, I'm a big fan of going to the beach. I love uh, just chilling out at the beach. Some people like going for a walk through the bush, maybe. Some people uh, like gaming, you know, a bit of uh, Nintendo or, or whatever it might be. We all have these hobbies and these things that when we do them, we find rest. But you know, the only way I get to place myself in an environment of rest is by slowing down. Because life is so fast. There's things to be done. There's always things that we've got to do. There's, there's the next thing to get to. There's family, there's work. There's, there's all these things that we have to do. And life just goes fast. And we sometimes think rest is just that ability to stop for a moment and recuperate. Like I was joking about sleep just then. Like that, that's not actually finding true rest. That's just getting by. And sometimes we slow down just enough to not crash. But the Bible calls us to find rest in Him. And rest actually sometimes has to be a little bit about trust in God. That we can actually stop and we can go to God. We can understand that we find rest in Him. But you know what? He actually keeps working. God doesn't go, you've stopped, so I'm gonna stop doing stuff in you. We have to trust that we can go, you know what? For, for this period of time, I need a rest. I need to find some space. You know, I, I love to watch a, a little bit of sport, a little bit, a lot of sport. And one of the things that I appreciate in this modern day and age is the, the video replay. I don't know if anyone else likes the video replay. And why I love the video replay more than ever before is this little thing called slow motion. 
Because see, in real time, sometimes you, you miss things and you can rewind, but you've still kind of got to watch it in real time. It happens fast. And sometimes you don't actually get to appreciate the moment. And uh, slow-mo, I love it because it actually just slows it right down. And so you actually get to see all these things unfold and you actually appreciate and enjoy the moment so much more because it's been slowed down. And sometimes you can watch something happen and if you watch it in real time, you actually completely miss uh, what happens. One of my favorite things is called a falcon and it's when someone in sport like gets hit in the head normally by the ball, whether it's a spectre, I know it's a bit mean, but it's kind of funny. But slowing one of those down is awesome because you actually get to see the full reaction of the player that's like <laughs> copped it in the head. But you know, the, so it brings much more humor to my life. But the principle of being able to slow down is just like what you get out of those videos, isn't it? When you watch it in real time, it just goes, it happens, life goes by, it happens fast. Maybe you've made some time to quickly uh, read your Bible or throw a prayer up to God or you know, if you've got extra time, you're at church on Sundays, fantastic. But there's this idea of going, what does it look like in life to slow down? One of the things that, you know, we love to do is have dinner with friends, to get around the table and just slow down and go, you know what, it's, this is not a work deal anymore. This is not, I'm catching up with you because I have an agenda, but I just want to spend quality time with people and see how they're going in life and see how I'm going. You know, this whole Wednesday night thing we're doing at the moment around the table is that idea of going, you know what, we all have busy lives. We all have things to do on Wednesday nights. But we're going to stop. We're going to slow down. We're going to take some time to get around the table, to have not so much a meal together at this space on a Wednesday, but have some snacks together. Everyone loves snacks. And look at what it means to be healthy on the inside. To me, that's what slowing down is about. But for all of us, that looks different in some way in our personal life. And my encouragement to you this week would be to find some time to rest. Not to do nothing, not to just kind of have enough rest to survive so you feel energized to kind of just get through life. But to go, what does it really mean for me to slow everything down and spend some time resting in God's presence, in, in, in relationship with Him, but also in those things that you just enjoy. Sometimes we feel guilty about that. Oh, I shouldn't go and go for a snorkel at the beach. I got lots of stuff to do. But sometimes that re-energizes us and, and makes us feel rested. And it actually makes the rest of our life better. And we trust that God calls us to rest. He calls us to take a break. He calls us to slow down. And as we trust Him in that, we're going to be so much healthier on the inside because we're allowing Him to work inside of us. The next R, can everyone say rest? Excellent. The next one is responsibility. Ooh, doesn't sound fun, does it? Turn to the person next to you and say responsibility. Genesis 2, 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You know, as I read that, what I understand is that Adam was the original landscaper. So you know what? If you're a landscaper, you're like the original holy man created by God. Come around to my house and fix my lawn, please, because I'll be resting. Gardening does not... Find, I do not find rest in the garden. So if you find rest in the garden, please come help me. I need it. But, you know, he put him in the perfect environment, didn't he? He put him in this place where it was plentiful. We, we read before that it was the ideal place for man and his soul. But Adam had a job. He had to work the land. He had to keep it. He had to look after it. Some of that job was fun. He got to name animals. That's awesome. I would love to have named animals. I'd love to have known what he was thinking when he named those animals, some of them. But he was naming animals. 
And then he had to look after the land. He had to keep it. He had to keep it healthy. He had to look after the plants and the, the animals and, and make sure that it stayed nice, that it stayed optimal for his soul. You know, as, as people of God, we're called, unfortunately, in some circumstances, we're called to work. You know, we have this culture that, that says that we, we, work is a bad thing. Work is not a bad thing. You know, you might not like your job, but the reality is you have one. And in this day and age, isn't that a blessing in itself to be able to have work? You might need to find a new job if you don't like your job. But the reality is if you're here and you're sitting there with a job today, you're blessed to be able to go to work each day. Not everyone has that opportunity. But we have this culture of, you know, I, I remember like I asked this fellow teacher of mine when I was working at school, like, how are you today? And he goes, one Powerball, mate. And I was like, what? I was like, not that old, or like, you know, just a, a, a young, you know, young chaplain. I was like, what'd you say? And he goes, one Powerball, mate. I was like, yeah, I heard what you said. I don't understand what it means. What does one Powerball mean? He goes, mate, bought a Powerball ticket in the lotto yesterday. If I win, I am out of here. And I was like, so you win, you wouldn't go back to work tomorrow? He goes, no way, man. I'd leave these kids behind, go traveling. I was like, how much would you win? He's like, a million dollars. I'm like, bro, you have no idea how this life works unless you're like really old. One million dollars is not lasting you a long time to just travel the world. And I was like, why do you feel that way? And he goes, man, being a teacher would be awesome if it wasn't for all these kids. I don't like teenagers. This is seriously the conversation I'm having with this guy. And I was like, mate, have you ever considered a job change? Because I think you're in the wrong industry. I know 12 weeks holidays a year sounds appealing, but if you don't like kids, the rest of it's pretty miserable. And he goes, I just wanna win lotto. I wanna get out of here. And we have a little bit of this kind of thing in our society that says, thank God it's Friday, isn't it? Like, oh, it's the weekend, I don't have to work anymore. And some of that is because we need rest. But I believe that sometimes we forget the opportunity that we're given to work. You know, the word work in this verse literally translates back to serve. That he was serving the land. That he, he was going to work, but he was serving God. You know, our workplaces, we're called to serve God. But also I believe that in the house of God, we're called to serve. That we're called to have a job, have a responsibility in this place, the family of believers. And not all of that is for us to quit our, our Monday to Friday jobs and go, well, I'm gonna make the church my new job. But you know, when I think about that word serve, I think about the calling that comes from that and the opportunity and the blessing that we have to be a part of a place where we get to join a team or, or we get to, to come along and serve one another and God. And you know, I believe that as we serve, we're living beyond ourselves. You know, I know that through uh, the opportunities I've had in my life, it's been serving that has unlocked so much of that. And not just in a, in a work capacity and that, that you know I've had opportunities, but the reality is most of the good things I've been taught have come from serving the house. I remember when I had a job that wasn't in church, I actually found myself to be quite good at it, but it was only from the techniques I'd learned from being a youth leader in the first place. And they're like, oh, you know, and it, and it just translated. And it did more for me than it actually probably did for the people serving. In fact, I know that when I was a youth leader, I caused my youth pastor more headaches than the kids did. And you know what, it actually just made me a better person and it gave him more work. So I'd stack the chairs, but then break half the building. And so he's like, oh, but it became better for me and my development as a person and understanding more about the heart of God because I was able to serve. And I just encourage you today, if you are someone who serves here, if you're someone who says, you know what, I'm living beyond myself. I wanna serve the house. Be encouraged in that, that that's what you're doing. 
that God is working in you and through you. And it is healthy for our souls. There is something in us that is driven to have responsibility and have work. I believe that, it, you know, that's why it ties in so highly with rest. The only time I really don't want to go to work is when I'm lifted tired and I, and I feel drained. But we're called to be people that have responsibility in this life. And as we learn to serve God in everything that we do and live beyond ourselves, He makes us better on the inside out. It is healthy for our souls. The third R today is restraint. Say restraint. It's good. Just making sure we're all awake, you know. Just checking. Genesis says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but if the but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. You know, this is the age-old question, isn't it? Every kid over in Compass Kids will probably ask this question. God, why did you create the no tree? Why did you put the apple tree in the garden? If you had just left it out of the garden, we would all be still in the garden, right? That's one I wanna ask God later, but I think I understand it a little bit more. You know, God always gives us permission before restriction. You know, the one thing we get focused on sometimes is the no, the thing that we can't have, that thing that we want. I don't know if you've ever been uh, to a restaurant before, probably have, uh, I've been before, it was an exciting day for me. Sometimes I should think about what I'm saying. You know, been to a restaurant and then they come and they bring you the menu and they say, hey sir, here's the menu today. Uh, everything on there is available but this one thing. And then suddenly I didn't even see the menu. But now all I want is the one thing that I can't have. And then I start complaining about it. I'm like, this place is so stupid. I'm never coming back here. I don't even have the chicken burger. All I wanted was the chicken burger. There's like 45 other good things on the menu. Probably one I would have chosen had I not been told they didn't have that one thing. But I become focused on what I can't have. But you know, God placed man in this place where he could have access to anything except what? One thing. And the reason why the one thing exists is because God gives us the power of choice. We get to choose in this life. He doesn't make us to be robots. He doesn't just tell us what to do. We have this power of choice. And in this world, there are so many things that we get to say yes to. So many options available to us, so many things. In fact, we can choose to do whatever we want. But sometimes it's the power of saying no to something that's actually good for us on the inside. Sometimes our souls just need to be able to say no. In these other areas that we've been looking at today, sometimes the only way to get rest or, or responsibility is not always just to say yes. Sometimes you just gotta say no. Not for any other reason other than it's good for you. Sometimes you have to say no to things that are actually good in order to do something better for yourself. And as we learn to say no to things, as we learn to say yes to certain things and have options, but also what to cut out of our life, Life brings more clarity. And I'll explain it this way. I have, I've mentioned before today, I have a, a little boy, his name's Boston. He's probably 17 months old, he's one. And there's a lot of things he doesn't get to choose in life. Like what sporting teams he'll go for, uh, you know, that's just one. Uh, you know, and, and, and early when he was younger, he, he would just rely on us to do whatever we thought was best. And mostly he still does, because he's only 17 months. He's not ready to get a job or move out, but you know, the day's coming. But the, the reality is he, he has learned from somewhere the power and ability to say yes and to say no. Now he doesn't use those words, he just does this. And I'll use this example. Boston, would you like some breakfast? 
okay, so we know he wants breakfast. Before, I just have to guess. Would you like some grapes? Would you like some cereal? Would you like toast? So when he does that, I'm like, okay, he wants toast. So we sit there. And what is helpful about that situation of yes and no is it provides clarity to me as the person who's trying to figure out what he wants in life, but also to himself as he weighs up options and is able to decide for himself what's good and what's bad. Now, he's, he's taken to use this habit in other ways, like, okay, son, it's time to go to bed. No, actually, that one's not optional, son. That one's good for you. You're going to bed. Uh, you know, stop playing with that and put it away. Ah, no, 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 no. So you can see how it unfolds in this, our human nature, isn't it? And we have all this ability to say yes and no. But if we never say no, there's no restraint in our life. And life gets messy. So we can't always say yes. Sometimes we have to say no. For our own souls, for our own power of choice, for our own decision making, to know that the decisions we're making are actually backed up with substance because we're able to decide what is good and what is not. And there are things to educate us on that, things like the Word of God, praying, getting advice from other people. But in all of those things, if we have no restraints, you know, the Bible says where people have no vision, they cast off restraint. Where people don't know what's going on, they go crazy. We have to have restraint because the opposite is just too free flowing. So the reason why that tree was there was unfortunate for us today. I feel like maybe I would have had some restraint. No. Uh, you know, the, the reality is we have things that we don't say no to them and that there's bad outcomes. But in other times, we can just say yes to too many good things. And so my encouragement to you this week is what are you gonna go and say no to? Just say no to something. Perhaps if I call you and ask you to do something, don't say no. But the reality is say no to something this week. Have a think about all the things that you're engaging in your life. Are they all good for your soul? Maybe start there and start saying no to the things that have the potential and the ability to bring the opposite of health to your soul and create clutter and mess and say no every now and again. The last R, relationships. I feel like I saved one of the best till last. Genesis 2, 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. You know, the reality is we cannot do life by ourselves. God created Adam, he created man, he put him in the perfect and ideal space. But then what he realized was that man was alone and that was no good. And so he created for him a wife, a companion, some relationship. And the reality is for each one of us, we're called to have relationships with other people. Not just people that you kind of go and you know a little bit and you say hi to. You know what I've realized is it's very easy to be in a, in a space full of people and still be alone. I, I remember years ago being serving at a conference and there was over a thousand people at this youth conference and, and I'd been doing all these different things and, and part of hosting, uh, you know, from the services and, and doing all this thing that put me in connection with a lot of people. But I remember having this moment standing at the back and just looking at it all unfold, and it was all going on, it was all happening, and it was all going well. And I looked, and I was like, geez, I feel alone right now. And I was like, no one's going to understand this, because there's like a thousand people or more in this room, and I could go talk to as many people as I wanted. In fact, I had friends there. But in that moment, I felt no connection to anyone. I just felt alone. And what I probably realized is in that space that I was spending a lot of time in my life, 
not a lot of the people there were truly in relationship with me. They were just people that I knew. They were people who knew of me. They knew surface uh, facts about me. And in your workplace, you might have those people. I was talking to someone this week, and they go, it must be awesome for you to work uh, on a team at church with all your friends. And I was like, it is pretty good. I love going to work uh, with the people that I work with because I like them. They're my friends. We, we enjoy doing life together. That is rare. And there'll be people in your life, and maybe that's not your case in your workplace. Maybe you're there just to do your job and you don't get along with, with everyone there. And that's okay. Your work colleagues don't need to be your best friends. You see at school, when you grow up, you've got this clique of friends. And you think, we're going to be friends for the rest of our lives. We'll never be separated. And then suddenly... You don't see anyone from school anymore except for those awkward reunions. And, you know, it's weird. But the reality is we're not called to have those kind of relationships at our core. We're called to have a relationship with God, yes. And his relationship should be able to sustain us. But that God saw that that wasn't enough for Adam. And that he needed someone to be in close relationship with. My question to you today is how are your relationships? Do you have people in your life that you're journeying with? that are actually encouraging you, that know who you are, that they know the good and the bad. This would be easy if you're married because your spouse would know the bad because they would easily see it. It's hard to hide at home. Don't ask my wife. She won't tell you. Uh, but, well, she might. Um, but the reality is we, we all need those close relationships. One of the ways that we actually do this as a church, and, and I am a huge fan of this, is, is journey groups. That you specifically go, you know what, connect groups around the table are big. They are that kind of relationship where you might have some close friends in there you might be close friends with everyone but the reality is in that environment with that many people sometimes it can be difficult to really get down to what's going on in life maybe it doesn't always feel comfortable to to bear your soul in an environment with 15 or 20 other people but we've got to have someone to do that with or otherwise we're just like a person in a big crowded room that doesn't know anyone we're alone And so you need to find some people, two, three, four, gather together, ask each other that question, how is your soul? How are you on the inside? Oh, my job's got, no, no, not how is your job? Not what car are you driving? Not how much money do you earn each year? But how is your soul? How are you on the inside? Are you resting? Oh, I'm thinking about doing, is that something you should say no to? See how much easier it is when you've got people around you that can speak into your life, encourage you, Spur on your faith. It was the way God created it and the way he wants it to be. We need to be people who are in relationship. You know, you come to church on a Sunday and it'll feel a lot like a crowd. Depending on what kind of crowd situation you're into, it might feel like a big crowd, it might feel like a smaller crowd. But either way, it's a crowd. We want to be a church that's not just a crowd, but a community of people who are in relationship. And that can't be with everyone. You can't know everyone's name. You can't know what everyone does. And, and more importantly, you can't know how everyone's soul is going. It isn't possible. The reality is you need some people in your world. And that takes work. That takes vulnerability. It takes the, the, the willingness to work at it because it doesn't just click straight away. You need to hold each other accountable. You need to decide to get together and meet. Because relationship is what will sustain us. And God saw that in Adam. Might ask Josh and the, the team to come up and join us. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a song in a moment. And part of that song talks about it being well with our soul. And I love that 
because it's not being well in life. It's not having that. We're not singing like, God, may I have the right job. God, may I get that promotion. God, may I just do a good job with my family. Because all of those things will vary in time. Situations will vary. Things will happen. But to truly be able to sing and say, it is well with my soul, means your soul must be healthy on the inside. So it's not driven by how good or bad things are, but it is driven from God giving you a healthy soul and working at it. And so we've looked at those four different things today. We've looked at those four areas. My encouragement would be, I don't know how many of those you feel like you're doing well at. I probably don't feel like I nail any of those four all the time. Probably this week feel like I've dropped the ball on four of them as I was thinking about preaching this. But the reality is it's not about perfecting these things and nailing these things and then going, everything's gonna be okay. But when we take the heart and the principle of what is in here and what God is calling us to do, I believe that as we apply that, singing the words to a song like, it is well with my soul, which is how God intended it to be, gets a little bit easier. It becomes easier to sing those words. It becomes easier to deal with the storms of life, the difficulties, the challenges. It makes it easier to say no to certain things. It makes slowing down so much more enjoyable. It allows us to clearly be able to say yes and no to things. And we become encouraged and inspired and see the results of it when we do things together. So my heart today would be that this is not just a, a message that you can just turn around and walk out and go, well, that was inspiring and, and good or like that sounded all right or it wasn't too boring. But that you would walk out and go, I've got four things this week that I could walk out. And if I begin to do them, if I begin to apply them to my life, not only will my soul be at home with God, but it would be healthy. And I would live out of a place with a healthy soul. And I know that's the prayer for my life and it's the prayer for yours as well. And as we wrap up and as we sing this song, the reality is that none of this is at all possible without relationship with Jesus in the first place. And when we talk about these relationships, we know and can see how important relationships with others are. And sometimes we can even prioritize that over our relationship with Jesus. But the reality is none of this. We're not even at home. We're not even able to have a healthy soul if we're not in relationship with Jesus. And so today before we sing, I just wondered if I could pray for us as a church. But I also just wanted to, maybe we could close our eyes. I just wanted to pray for anyone here this morning who, who feels like maybe that's their direct next step today, maybe the, the direct step to a healthy soul is relationship with Jesus. Because it says in, in John 3 2, it says, I pray that it all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you so it can be well with your soul. And today I just wonder if there's anyone here who, who maybe you, you, you're not in a relationship with Jesus and today you say, that is my step. Today, that is my step. I wanna be in a relationship with Jesus. Or alternatively, maybe you are in a relationship with Jesus, but maybe it feels more like an estranged relationship, like a distant relationship. Or maybe you just feel like Jesus is like a colleague, like someone you brush past at work or on Sundays. The reality is the true health of your soul will never begin to take shape until He is the priority in your life. And so if that's you today, I would love to just pray for you. But to know that, to, to signal a response, I'd just ask maybe if you could just put your hand up. No one else looking around, just, just me. 
And you say, you know what, today it's time to prioritize my relationship with Jesus, to make Him number one, to follow Him with my life. Could you just slip up your hand now to side? You can see that so you can respond to Him. That's awesome. Once you've put that up, you can, you can put that down. Is there anyone else that wanted to be included in a prayer this morning? To say, Jesus needs to be number one in my life. That's great. God, I thank you for, for those people this morning that have put up their hands. God, I thank you that you, you call us home. 